0: This message was presented at the GYC Conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay. All right, everyone, we're going to get back. I know that um, we have a lot to do, and I can tell that you guys are creating the environment that I thrive in, which is people coming to me with questions and ideas and business concepts, and I love that stuff. My wife gets annoyed because I can talk about it until the wee hours of the morning. Thank you. And so um, I am excited to connect with you. Jesse is excited to connect with you guys. This is something that we're excited about. Like Jesse, I'm a, I'm a fire starter. I'm a catalyst type individual. Um, I don't like to manage for sure. <laughs> And once I accepted that about myself and made it very clear what type of role I was going to have and the importance of partnerships and making sure you have a team to build your business, because somebody's got to be the manager um, to make sure that those processes are being improved on and you're increasing efficiency. So let's go and start with a word of prayer. And then we're going to get practical. There's paper and pencils on your tables. So we're going to really get, you know, kind of really get our feet into it deeply. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven. Thank you so much, Lord, for the knowledge that is available to us. Thank you, Father, for the failures that Jesse and I have gone through that have taught us critical lessons, Lord, and that somehow those moments could actually be valuable in order to move the kingdom of God forward. But also, Lord, we're thankful for the successes and the opportunities to see that when God is guiding and when we are operating within certain principles, Lord, that we can see the blessing of the Lord in his grace upon our work and efforts. That is our desire, and we trust now as we move into more practical, uh, hands-on decision-making that you would guide us and you would bless this meeting with your presence. We offer this prayer from our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. I want to share with you a quote that when I used to do canvassing ministry for about 11 years, I used to use this quote because... One time I came in and one of my canvassers said, Sebastian, you said, according to Christ's object lessons, it is not the capabilities you now possess or ever will possess that will give you success in the work. It is only that which the Lord can do for you. You need to have less confidence in what men can do and more confidence in what God can do for every believing soul. That's a direct quote. So if it's not the capabilities we now possess and it's not the capabilities you ever will possess after I train you and teach you that are going to give you success, then why are we doing training? That's what the canvasser asked me. Why are we doing training then? I should just drop me off on the street and we'll figure it out, right? And I said, you know, that's interesting because there's another quote in Call Porter Ministry about Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. And she says, Joshua prepared his army for the Battle of Jericho as if the success of the battle depended on them alone. Think about that. He trained the soldiers, not with the mindset that God is going to bring the walls down. He says, we're not expecting any help from God. That's how you need to train. You're going to have to climb those walls and get inside. That's how we train them. But you see, unfortunately, that's not how we approach ministry. We say, well, because it's a ministry, God's going to bring down the walls. That's our assumption. But unfortunately, we learn the hard way. So my father says, experience is the best teacher, but a fool learns by no other means. If you got to touch the fire to know it's hot, you're going to have a lot of burn marks. But if I can look at your burn marks and know, okay, that's hot. I'm not touching that. We must learn to learn from the mistakes of others. So you must prepare your army, Joshua, with no expectation of divine help. But then the quote finishes But he went into the battle of Jericho as if everything depended on God alone. We say in sports, Luck. This is what they talk about in sports, soccer, football, basketball. They say, man, how in the world did he make that shot? That was total luck. There's no way he could have kicked that goal. It was total luck. No, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Now, you and I probably couldn't make those type of shots on a soccer field or in a basketball court because we don't have the preparation. We didn't train that way. But in that moment, in that game, Preparation met opportunity. So you can call it luck in business. Oh, they were just lucky that no preparation met opportunity. But unfortunately for you and I, we're not good at preparing because we think Jesus is going to bail us out every time. Jesus don't bail people out all the time. The thief on the cross was going to heaven, right? But they still broke his legs when they took him off. Amen. Amen. I know everybody's like, "Woo!" I ain't saying amen to that. <laughs> it's like the hard truth, right? Because it's a fact. The man is going to heaven, but he' about to get his legs broken <laughs> and go sit and wait to be re crucified again. But you, I'll see you in paradise. So let's not romanticize entrepreneurship. I'm gonna tell you right now. There's moments where I sit down in my mind with tears in my eyes, wondering, did I make a mistake? There are times when I'm wondering, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing because I have a wife and four kids. So when all of a sudden revenue is gone or a customer decides I'm not going to pay you on time, you got to figure out how to put food on the table. So I don't want to romanticize this thing for you like, oh, there's going to be this whole glorious... (laughs) It's going to take work like Joshua. So the whole purpose of this session, of looking at your business model, is preparing to start your business as if you're not going to get any help from God. Don't leave anything unturned. Unfortunately, most people think business people are all about risk when we're actually all about removing risk. Everything we do is to remove risk. Oh, I already talked to the customers. They actually signed a letter of intent. They said, if I build the product, they will hire me. Well, then let's build the product. There's no risk. So that's what we do. So as you think about your business idea and concept, and we look at your business model, on the Attendify app, I've actually uploaded uh, one of the canvases I'm going to be using. So you'll see this on there. Now, this is a very common thing. You can download this for free, the business model canvas on businessmodelgeneration.com canvas. You can download as many copies as you want. It's completely free and available to anyone. Um, And what I want to do is just basically summarize, but you have a piece of paper there in front of you. So if you have that piece of paper and a pencil, because you're going to need to erase some things (laughs) as you go through this. And please believe I am going to challenge you to sell me one of your ideas at your table before this session is over. Jesse and I are going to be your judge. And he and I are going to say, would you invest? Thumbs up, thumbs down. And we'll tell you, because you see right now, I'm going to give you a taste of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. What if I told you. That if someone pitches to me an idea that I think is worthy, I will donate a round trip ticket anywhere in America. What if I told you that right now? I'll fly you anywhere you want round trip. All of a sudden, right, this is what happens when entrepreneurs going through this, get venture backed, right? Get an investor to buy in. Did you know you're more likely to get your son into the NFL than you are to be funded by a venture capitalist firm? That's more statistically possible. It's easier for you to get in the NFL than to get funded. (laughs) But we still trying. So in looking at this model, you have that piece of paper in front of you. I want to just look at these elements, but then I'm going to use a different canvas in order to actually do the practical. So first of all, what is a business model? A business model is just like a car model. Right. It's a little miniature version of how your organization or your business will create, deliver and capture value. That's essentially what your business model is without a business plan without doing all this market research, let's just put down our assumptions. Let's look at our assumptions and see. Now, I like, I, you know, I like to print this thing out and you know I have the whiteboard here, so we may do some stuff on the Attendify app. I have an example of Uber's business model that looks just like this, and it breaks down Uber in this format, so you can understand exactly how they develop their business concept. The first concept you must answer is your customer. And you're answering questions like, who do I ignore? A lot of people focus on their business. Every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, what's your business idea? I want to create an app that actually connects Bible workers to churches that are looking for Bible workers. Okay, and who's your target market? Oh, anybody in the Adventist church. No, they're not. (laughs) No, they're not. And unfortunately, I have to tell people the hard truth because they're like, no, man, everybody needs this app. Every entrepreneur thinks that everybody needs their business when they don't know any better, right? We can tell who the babies are, right? It's like, oh, okay, that's so cute. <laughs> it's like, everybody's going to use your business, right? Like telephones, like cell phones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I totally came up with it, man. No, the truth is, you need to first answer the question, who am I ignoring? That's your first question. So, for example, when I started my wellness business, people said, hey, Sebastian, what about Adventist churches? That was the first people on my list to ignore. Because Adventists think everything should be free. That's right. I'm going to keep it 100. It's the truth. We think everything should be free, subsidized. Don't I get a discount because I'm Adventist? I'm like, does McDonald's give discounts if you're obese? Like... <laughs> Absolutely not. So in, in looking at this very concept, someone sat with me and I was giving a presentation on business at a church. The church wanted me to talk about innovation, how we can apply principles of innovation to evangelism. And someone came and we were, we were having a conversation. They said, well, Sebastian, you know, what about, you know, doing X, Y, and Z with Adventists?" And I said, how many guys have an iPhone? So all the people with iPhones raised their hands. How many people have Samsung? okay. Oh those people raise their hands. I said now Samsung and Apple are not Adventist companies. And you are more than willing to donate your money to make Apple the most wealthiest brand in the world. And Samsung, for those of you who are Apple haters, I don't do Apple, man. They think their stuff is better. We got better cameras on Samsung side. It's like they got all their little excuses. And this is Apple, Samsung. but this is ironic to me because when a person within the faith community has an innovative idea, oh, can I get that for free? But when Apple comes along, we in the Apple store, we're ordering $2,000 laptops. No problem, which tells me that either you're not my market or I haven't created enough value.
1: I can't um, reiterate this point um, enough. <laughs> if we don't learn to ignore the ninety-five percent of the market, we 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 always become an unfocused ministry or business. It's, it's it's just it's just the nature of it. You guys, if if you know if you don't if you haven't read this book, please read this book on this topic. It's from Al Rice. He wrote a couple of books on this focus one is called focus yep because the future of your company depends on it mm-hmm. and the second book is the 22 immutable laws of marketing and he wrote another one 22 immutable laws of branding yes these these books they all really make the same point that if your company doesn't focus on focus on a certain target market and really successfully can ignore Everybody else that also wants to help you make a line extension or, you know, defocus your product, um, you, will, you will never really be able to have a strong impact on society. So this is, this is to me, is really important. And it's, a, it's one of those notorious things in all of our, not all, but many of our ministries. The tendency is everybody makes you feel bad if you don't serve Everybody. all classes of people and nope. especially the poor people and so and so so all the businesses are like forced and all the ministries are forced to to try to solve everybody's problems and <laughs> and and this is how you become very very unfocused and you can't really reduce your ministry on one problem because because you know there's there's these unfortunate you know things that if you think you want to start a mission school, well, you got to start a mission school, and you have got to start a lifestyle center because they're supposed to go together, you know. And if you're going to do a, a, a mission school, by the way, mission school is a real good example, you know. Some schools are focused on health ministry, right? The other schools are focused on health evangelism, er, uh, are focused on Bible work. The other ones are focused on culprit work, and everybody thinks they have the truth, you know. And, and they say actually, the only people that are going to be at the end of time are the medical missionaries, right? Did you hear? Yep. Yep. No, the thing that's going to finish the work is going to be the call porters, right? We know this. <laughs> and so and so we all bash each other instead of just helping each other, letting each other be focused. But everybody's trying to then to incorporate all of the elements into the one mission school. And then by the time they come out, what does the student get? An all-rounded experience of what? What are they at the end? You know what I mean? So this is yep. really important not to unfocus our business model or our ministry model. And I'm not saying there's a place for having a broad thing for you to get exposure to everything. You know, it's fine, right? There's, there's space for mission schools like that. But if everybody does that, you know, then we're going to have problems.
0: Yeah, they won't make it. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's what would be the result. You want to focus your customers around common behaviors, So there are certain things that they commonly need you to solve. So when you think about, for example, medical missionary training, right? I started learning about these concepts when I would meet people graduating from these medical missionary schools and have no way to support themselves. They're up in New York trying to offer hydrotherapy and nobody's signing up. So now they're like, well, let me work at a local restaurant, make money and do ministry on the side. But then they get consumed and they got married and now they got kids. And then they're like, man, you know. Back in the day, I used to want to be a medical missionary. (laughs) Am I telling somebody's story? It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I meet them. And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, see, the problem is you shouldn't even have left that school until you had a trade that you knew you can make money with. Not possibly you knew. I know I can make, I already got customers lined up. And how do you take medical missionary training, just like PayPal took encryption software, and figure out how do we market this? How do we package it in a way that's going to be appealing to people? That is the question. To make it desirable at the same time
1: to make a human need. By the way, the model school of all of our mission schools, of all of our schools in general, is the Madison School, right? Have you heard about that? Yep. The Madison School... Ellen White says, the most important thing that they taught their students, you know what it is? It's not even missionary training. You know what it is? It's how to be self-supporting. That's right. This is what she says. That's the most important thing that they taught them. Why? (laughs) Because all of their graduates, Madison's graduates, went out to the rest of the world and started what? Their own little businesses and had an influence with their businesses like Paul with the tent making yep uh reaching the customers with the gospel so so this was actually the blueprint now we've we forgot about that you know now when we teach self-supporting work it's like a a 10-hour class talking about the history of Madison (laughs) instead of teaching people how to be self-supporting does that make sense yes so we've got, to, we've got to rethink, actually, the importance of self-supporting when, when, when Ellen White says, every school, she says, every training school and college should make provision to train evangelists. And one other thing, Christian businessman. That's right. Would you believe that? Yeah. It's like, how important does this need to be? In order for us to say, look, this is really an essential part of Adventism. Yep. Back, back in the day, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited about this, no, but no, I, I, just have to, I have to say this, okay? Go ahead and preach. In, in Israel, there was no family that was working for some pagan out there. Go ahead. Tell you, you didn't catch a, a, a Jew, working you didn't for catch him dead working for a pagan, you know? He had to be a slave. No chance. Unless you're a slave. Or you were captured. Or you were apostas- an apostate, well, that, you know? That's but that's the bottom line. No, really. And, and the whole system, the way they developed was an independent economic model of society. All of their... Ellen White says, Ministry of Healing, page 183. She says, every family had sufficient ground for tilling, sufficient to create incentive incentive for generating their own income actually developing their own little businesses uh, to live off of their their family to live off of. the only ones that didn't have that were the were levites. The, the levites exactly yeah. but everybody else had their traits and they were living off of these things we know these people from the new testament especially what was what was what was uh peter doing fisherman okay in whose business was he working his father's business exactly okay these are business people actually they're all business people yeah uh, jesus the most uh, the most uh, known person right what was his business yeah he was a carpenter uh, and whose business was he working in some employed in some some somebody's Joseph. shop <laughs> no it's his dad's shop right no these guys were business people and they weren't they weren't rich rich people right yeah. but they were they were business people. They had a little business and they, they were self-employed. They were doing their thing. And this is how they had a, a, a system in place to actually reach people on their own time. Nobody told them, no, you, can't work on, uh, you have to work on Sabbath. Yep. They didn't have these issues that nope. we have today. So the whole culture, and Elohim says, that was the smartest thing that Israel did to eliminate poverty was to have this small family business-based system economic system. And she says, no human invention has ever improved upon that plan. Nope. She says, to the the depart of us from that plan is owing to a great extent the poverty and wretchedness that exists in this world today. Ministry of Healing 183. Guys, it's time for us to get back to this model. Yes. And start doing our little businesses and big businesses for, for all I care. And, and, and really start making an impact on society and stop being slaves of everybody else. Okay? Yep. And this is how we can't get the work done, I'm telling you. This is really serious. You yeah. know, anyway, I'm going to start crying here if nah, I continue. Nah.
0: Just gave my heart. I appreciate that. It's, um, it's so important. So important what he just said. And the irony is when he and I were talking about this backstage yesterday before we were presenting our seminar, and I was just reminded, I was reading through education again, I don't know, I just like to pick up the book, and I'm searching through it, and I found a a passage where she talked about the tilling of the soil led them to independence. And you know, the interesting thing is no matter where you are in the world, there's always going to be soil. So if you know how to use it... (laughs) You'll never be out of work. You could go to someone else's soil and say, look, I can't even buy the land, but I'll till the land, I'll grow the produce, and you just take a percentage. You're already making money. That simple. That mindset. So it's so critical that when you are focusing in on your business concept or your ministry idea, you have to first figure out who you're ignoring. You have to do that. And unfortunately, we have to accept that sometimes what we're trying to build, Adventism is not our market or it's too small. You have to accept that. If you don't, you're gonna be out of business. (laughs) So it's a a red ocean market when it comes to certain things. Now, um, I don't wanna get too long into this because I wanna get to the other canvas. Your value proposition, we already talked about this, your point of differentiation, why customers turn to one company over another. It solves a customer problem or satisfies a customer need, like Uber. And when you think about the fact that when you go to Slack, how many of you guys know what Slack is? Slack, I love that platform. It's like one of my favorite things to use. <laughs> when you first went to their website when they were launching, they did not say, hey, we're a communication platform that allows you to do da 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 You know what it said on their landing page? Come and use the software that NASA used to put something on Mars. Because in the words, right, of of the uh, famous professor at Harvard, people don't buy a one-fourth inch drill bit because they want a one-fourth inch drill bit. It's because they want a one-fourth inch hole. And so guess who disrupted the market? They came up with a laser drill, no drill bits. Because everybody fell in love with the product and not the problem. Didn't understand the value proposition. People want holes in order to hang pictures, to put up their curtains. That's what they want. You're so focused on building new drill bits and new steel. This guy comes along and says, what if you use a laser? Create the same thing. Disrupted the whole market. Why didn't we think about that? (laughs) Because you weren't in love with the problem. You didn't understand that point of differentiation, and Slack understood that. We're not just here to say we're another communication platform, no. We actually helped NASA put a robot on, the, on Mars. That's what we do. Now when I tell you that, your next question is, how did you do that? Now I'll talk to you about the business. Um, channels is essentially your marketing. How, exactly how you're gonna communicate with and reach your customers in order to de- deliver your particular value proposition. This is a graphic that I love to use that breaks down two different axes. of marketing is not just awareness. This is what most of us think marketing is. Everything you do in your business is marketing. People don't know that. Everything you do in your business is marketing, not just awareness. How do we raise awareness about our company's product? How do customers evaluate our organization's value proposition to another one of the best ways to win a customer is to know your competition. They come to the website, they say, oh, um, why? You come down, you say, oh yeah, I'm looking for this. He say, now, if you are looking for that, you can go over there. But if you're looking for this, this is what we offer. One time I went to stay at a, I was looking for a hotel, and I went to a Marriott, and I said, hey, um, do you guys have any vacancies? I said, "Nope." And I said, well, uh, what about the Fairfield next door? That's a Marriott hotel as well. They said, yeah but you seem like you said you're looking for a room for you and your kids. Well, they don't have rooms your size, but if you're looking for rooms that size, you should go to the Hilton across the street. That's crazy that Marriott is sending me to the Hilton. Now, why would they not send me to the Fairfield Inn, which they know is like one little queen size bed with no pullout bed with four kids? Because they're like, that hotel is not meant to serve you. But if that's what you're looking for, They understand how to evaluate. If you're looking for that, you can go over there. But guess what they just implanted in my mind? The next time I come through, I say, oh, if I'm looking for a room like this, I'm gonna go to Fairfield Inn. Because that's what that is trying to solve. So evaluation is critical. Purchase, how do they actually purchase your product or your service is an important part of your marketing. I remember I went with a company that was helping us establish a C corporation when I was working in the animation space. And I remember we arrived at the restaurant and the guy came in and he said, yeah, um, we're ready to get started. And he handed me a binder, had my company's logo, all this kind of stuff on the binder. Then you open it up. It had all the legal documents perfectly organized with folders and tabs. And he's like, this is where you're going to find this. This is where you're going to find this in case you need that. And we just prepared that for you. So you're like, wow. Even though they had already sold us, we already paid the money but the way that we got it was also part of their marketing. I said, man, this is just a really great presentation. This is so important that when you are, when people are purchasing and delivering your product, you should always have in your mind that when I'm offering you my service or my business or ministry, whatever it is, figure out what's gonna be the surprise. Something that they would not expect, right? Going back to the e-myth. People go to this hotel, It's nothing special about the hotel, they got a nice little pool. And of course, people go to hotels. They want to take their kids to pools. And guess what kids love in the hot summer? They love popsicles. So you get out to the pool and it says, would you like a free popsicle? Call 1-800-POPSICLE. And they're like, wait, is this for real? And it has a phone. So you just walk up to the phone. Boop, yep. Would you like a, how many popsicles? Uh, yeah, we'll take six popsicles. Is this, is this for real? Like, yeah, it's for real. Then they show up with like a nice French... Kind of display the popsicles are on there, nice and cold on a bed of ice, and then they roll out and they take off the top, and then you get whatever flavor you want. And you're like, okay, this is a regular hotel, but a one eight hundred popsicle hotline. Like you could just, call. and they're like unlimited popsicles, right? So you know my kids blowing this place up, right? So, <laughs> Boop, more popsicles, please. <laughs> it's like, and guess what? They deliver them every time, exact same way. You could call seven times in a row; it will always come out on that platter because. You're surprised by that, you're not expecting that. Going to the pool and having a free popsicle hotline? So, you gotta incorporate something to surprise the customer. How you deliver the actual work and how do you support them after they've actually bought the product? What's the after sales support? This is one of the big things that I feel is challenging a lot of our Bible colleges and mission schools. They do a great job once you get in. In training you, it's the support afterwards. So now you graduate and you had mentorship when you were in, you had support, you had guidance, you had all those things. Now you graduated, you know, you can't even reach those people. Yeah, he's busy. I know you're trying to text and then you feel bad because, you know, the person is super busy. I used to run two mission schools, so I know what I'm talking about. And former missionaries that I trained, they would say, oh, Sebastian, I know you're really busy. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, why is it that it takes a tragedy For them to get a hold of me. That's a problem. If I was their missionary director for an entire year of training, they suspended their life to come train. And yet now when they graduate, I got nothing for them. There's no after sales support. It's a big problem. You got to build your customer relationship. How are you going to get your customers? How do you keep them? How can you sell them new products that you're innovating at the same time? Your revenue is the cash that you're generating from each customer group. This must be subtracted from your revenues to actually consider your earnings. Basically, how do people compensate you for the value that you offer to them? It's very, very important. Now, this can be one time or it can be recurring, right, like a subscription model. You can sell an asset, you can have a usage fee. So the more you use it, like your cell phone if you're on Verizon, right? So you use a certain amount of data, all right, you're limited. Versus a subscription fee, iPhone for life, boom, you just pay this amount every month, unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited everything. That's a subscription-based model. Lending, renting, leasing an iPhone, iPhone for life, you just lease the phone, you turn in the phone, they'll give you a new phone. Then they fix that phone and resell it to someone else at full value. Gotcha. (laughs) Advertising. (laughs) So your grandma might have bought your phone. Right? It's like they use an the advertising model. This is YouTube. People don't realize that YouTube is free because someone is paying for it. The marketers. Facebook is free because someone's paying for it. The people who want to market it to you. It's not free. So that's why they came out with YouTube Premium. You don't like commercials? Then you pay us. <laughs> did you see what they just did there? And I pay for it, because if my kids are watching something on YouTube, I don't want a horror movie ad to come up. So they knew they were solving a problem. Always in beta. Key resources is this is essentially what allows you to actually create what you're offering. It could be physical, it could be financial, intellectual property, human capital. You may have someone that has a unique skill in your business or something that you own or lease, like a machine. Very, very critical. Key activities are the most important actions your company must take in order to be successful. You could go to a car wash, and if you walk in, and the carpet is amazing. The carpet is amazing. You walk in, right, the place is amazing. You know, marble countertops. They got like, you know, four TV screens going on, whatever content you're interested in, but your car is a mess. It's like, well, I came to the car wash. (laughs) That's great that you have marble countertops, but this is the key activity. And this is sometimes what we do. We'll get into a ministry or a business, and we're like, we need a desk, and we need all of this stuff to be really nice. But the truth is, that's not the key activity to actually providing the value of why people came to you. So guess what? If you need a little beat-up desk, or you want to just use a little table, like one time I met with a client over a, a music stand. I'm not even lying. right? I just took the music stand, turned it flat, and that's, that's how we had my little presentation of what I needed to do, and they paid me for that session. Taught me something very quick. The person did not care that it was a music stand that we were using. That told me, why are you paying all this money for these tables at Office Depot and Max because you think that's what you need in order for your business to survive? You don't because you need to focus on your key activities. Production, your problem solving, and your platform and network. Problem solving is so important. Did you know, statistically, that if a customer comes into your, uses your product or your service, and they have a bad experience initially, and you fix it, they become a more loyal customer than if you did it right the first time. Because of how quickly and well you fix the problem, they're like, I like these people, it's customer service. For all those people who are afraid to fail and things to go wrong, actually, it helps you. Adversity is your advantage. So someone comes in, I remember the first time I did a wellness situation, and I told the lady, it was on her lunch break, and I said, oh yeah, the fitness assessment only take about 30 minutes. I had never done a fitness assessment up until that point. So she rolls in and we're doing all this stuff, she's like sweating, it's like 50 minutes, we still got three more things to go. I'm like killing her whole lunch break. Right? And so I'm like, oh man. And my assistant was like, the time, we're supposed to be done like 20 minutes ago. And I'm like, oh man, this lady's gonna hate me forever. So we finished the, the assessment. It was like an hour and 15 minutes. And so she's like, oh, I gotta get back to work and I didn't really have time for lunch. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta. I, I, so I called her up, I sent her an email, and I said, listen, um, I'm just gonna give you four free sh- training sessions. I really apologize about that, whatever. She's the most loyal client I've ever had. But I totally killed her lunch break. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like almost got her fired. She was 15 minutes late, but I fixed it, took care of it. People are more loyal. Key partnerships is so important. I cannot emphasize this enough. So many times, this aspect of your business model is designed to re- reduce your risk. So many times for us, we think about, oh, I need to do this ministry and build it myself from my bootstraps and all this kind of jazz. But it's not true. When you realize you don't have something, you can develop a partner, right? Alliances to optimize your business model, reduce your risk, or to get access to certain resources. That's very important. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If that's not what your business is, let them do and say, look, let's just partner together. I'm not going to be in your space. I will push your product. You'd be surprised what you can do. Um, I'm not going to go through all of these because these are all technical and I can send you guys the slides. Your cost structure are your most important costs involved. Obviously, you have your variable costs versus your fixed costs. But this is where you decide what's going to be your cost strategy for your business. right? Are you value driven? When you go to Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, hotels, they're not trying to save you money. (laughs) That's not their their business model. You know, economies of scale, no. When you go to the Burj al-Arab in Dubai, that's not their model. You can't even get on the premises if you don't have a reservation. At the restaurant or the hotel. So they're very clear in what they're doing, saying we're a value-driven business. So if you're looking for a nice hotel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where the railing is gold-plated, come to us. That's what they're doing. Now, I'm not gonna talk about this financing your venture, but what I want you guys to do is get your paper right there at your table. I'm gonna switch. So right now it is 1247. Oh, that's not gonna work. So this is a Canvas that I developed for uh, the place where I consult, the Center of Innovation. Took the business model Canvas, simplified it. It is up on the Attendify app. I'm gonna make this a little bit bigger. And this is an example I use for Uber, right? So Garrett Camp, Uber, version 1.1. And you answer these prompts to the best of your ability. So what I want you to do at your table, I'm going to give you guys five minutes. And I want you to sit at your table with the people there. And I want you to write down your answer to this question or this prompt. Describe the problem, the need, or the desire that your idea is designed to fulfill. Go. Five minutes. Make sure you write it down. Then listen to someone else. You don't have one, listen to someone else. Give them your feedback.
1: Or use your creative juices and just come up with one.
0: That's right. Different doctors because they, always, you really don't they don't know. know. You're trying to make an assumption
1: based All right, let me uh,
0: pause you for a second, if I can have your attention. So I can hear the energy, the ideas are flowing, and so uh, next session, you know, we're going to get into how to share the gospel at 2.30 when that session happens, Um, but I'm going to try to see if I can squeeze some time out of that session for you guys to pitch some of these ideas to Jesse and myself. And, of course, it's going to be a very short pitch, 30-second elevator pitch. So nothing long. We're not going to sit here and listen to some drawn-out explanations. We'll just cut you off because <laughs> entrepreneurs like to do that. <laughs> Say, listen, no, 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 I, I don't have all the time for this. I, I get your idea. No, it's a no-go. So, yes, 2.30, um, we'll be back uh, dealing with how to share the gospel through your business, internal branding, and, yeah we'll have a little bit of uh, pitch experience to dive through that. So, Jesse, can you pray for us to close us out?
1: Let's pray. Let's stand up for a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much that you've been leading us uh, throughout this morning, understanding uh, new concepts and how you really want to develop this work how you want to finish the work, Lord, we think that, that this part, this entrepreneurship, missional entrepreneurship is a, is a very integral part to, to accomplishing these things, engaging lay people with their professions. Lord, we, we want to pray for each one of us in the room, for each idea that is in the room, that, uh, that you can guide us in this process and that we can really use all the time and all the energies that you have given us to advance your cause. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this amazing privilege. And also I want to just pray for the food that we're about to take. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This message was recorded at the GYC Conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.